0: Welcome to FHOP Church. Message of the week. We pray you are challenged by the word. For more information, please visit www.fopchurch. Some Sunday mornings, it's so quiet in here. I almost wish I had like a background soundtrack as I was preaching. But I also want it to match the mood of where I'm at in that moment. So like as I get excited, it like swells, kind of like in the movies. And then as I kind of calm down, it kind of, I think that would just be a nice touch. Um, So I just need a button up here that can hit exciting music. And you know I'm about to make a really great point. You can lean in. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're, we are doing a slow crawl through the book of Ephesians, and it's going to probably be a slower crawl than I want it to be, because I didn't even get as far as I wanted to last week, um, because there's just so much here, and last week we left off with verse 10, Let's pick up real quick in verse 11 and then we'll jump in here. In verse 11 of Ephesians, it says this And him we have obtained an inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. Okay, what's an inheritance? Okay, some of you did really bad in school because you're never supposed to use the word in the definition. So it's like, what is an inheritance? Something you inherit. Oh, goodness. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, Say inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, last week, we we talked a little bit about what was going on here in the book of Ephesians. And you don't have to go there, but I'm going to flip back to Acts, where Paul meets the church of Ephesus for the first time, which can be found if you're taking notes in in. Acts 19. Now sometimes we get in this bad habit of when we read the Bible and when we look at things we get super religious and 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 like last week we talked about we talked about the word blessed last week which is the way Ephesians starts. It starts with talking about how how we are blessed how how God is blessed and we use that word blessed in kind of a campy sort of way like cute like oh I'm so blessed or or God bless you or or bless you bless your heart and this is not what that word means. It's not well translated into English. That that when we're saying blessed, we're actually it's almost like we're actually bragging on that person. We're almost what we're doing is we're saying just how awesome we think they are. We're we're giving a gift of favor to them. We're talking about how incredible we think someone is. And when we say I'm blessed, we're not just bragging ourselves. We're talking about, you know what, I have the favor of God on me and how awesome he thinks I am. It's not just some sort of little sweet churchy word. There's actually a lot of power in that word blessed. And some of you used it on me this week. They're like, you say, bless you. But then there's that little extra smile when you say it. And I was like, yeah, you're getting it. You're getting it. There's a, there's just a little more to it than what we've known all these years. And the church of Ephesus, it's kind of like when we read the book of Ephesians, if we're not careful, it can just be some sort of book of the Bible that we Read. But when Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesians, he had been there five years earlier, and it had been an intense time in his life, and he hung out there for about two or three years. And these are kind of the things that happened. I'll, I'll review it real quick. He shows up and he tells these people about Jesus. They had never heard about Jesus the way he had talked about it. They'd heard about John the Baptist telling them about Jesus, but they'd never heard about this Jesus. And it says in Acts 19.5, it says on hearing this, these guys from Ephesus were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Now that's a little wild, isn't it? If you told someone about Jesus, you laid your hands and you started praying for them and then all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues and prophesying, that's an incredible experience you're having right there in that moment. And then it says in verse 10 that he ends up staying there for two years. And it says this, And God was doing extraordinary extraordinary miracles at the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs that he touched with his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them. This is intense. Say amen or something. So say this is intense. This is intense. Okay. All right. Thank you. The name of Jesus is being known to be so powerful in Ephesus that other people who don't even know Jesus are using the name of Jesus to try to drive out demons. And this one group of guys, they try to drive out some demons, and the demons reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then they beat these guys up strip them down naked and send them running and it says because of that the name of jesus was extolled in the entire city and the entire city the name of jesus and and we like think like the entire city yeah the entire city because this is what happens over the next few days is the name of jesus like whoa jesus even the demons are, are flipping out when they hear the name of jesus that some of the sorcerers in the town and the magicians and stuff they all come together they start burning their books of magic. And they counted up the total of the number of books they were burning. And they said it was 50,000 pieces of silver. That's like, that's like three guys' lifetime wages worth of books. A ton of money. Hundreds of thousands of dollars of books burning because they're surrendering their lives to the name of Jesus. Have you ever been to that point in your life where... Where you came so close to Christ, you realize there's things in your life. It's time for you to burn. It's time for you to get rid of. I remember when, when, when I was a teenager and, and God began to move, we would actually have times where we we'd have a trash can outside and we'd come and some of you teenagers are gonna be like, what's going on with this? We would come with our CDs that didn't glorify Jesus, and and we'd burn them. He went and bought it, and burned it, and bought it, and burned it. Lord, you can have this. You can have all of me. You can have my music. You can have my my the things that don't glorify you. The problem now is everything's saved in the cloud. So now if you come to Jesus, good luck deleting it. I'd bought that once. Oh, it's here. You can get it back. They're just burning stuff because they found Jesus. They're putting all their hope in Him. Um, What's that song? Is it by King and Country or whoever it is that has that song, Burn the Ships? Oh, man. Burn the Ships. You can't go back because you're leaving that lifestyle completely behind. And so they burn hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of books because they found Jesus. And it makes this guy named Demetrius... He's a silversmith and makes him angry because no one's buying his idols anymore. And he gets all the other silversmiths together. And he says this in verse 26. He says, you see in here, it's not only in Ephesus, but also almost all of Asia. This Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people saying gods that are made with hands are not gods. And so he's upsetting the economy and a riot breaks out in Ephesus. Because of what God is doing. It wasn't a small localized thing. It was a thing where the riot got so big they were afraid that the Roman Empire would take notice and charge them with rioting. Like, guys, we've got to calm down or we're going to be in trouble. Something was going on. It wasn't a small thing. And so this is the context where we find this letter five years later after Paul leaves. He's writing back to them and like, oh man, I know these guys. These guys are the real deal these guys have experienced some things and this is what I'm going to write to them and in verse 11 he says in him we've obtained an inheritance and and we talked about this a a little bit last week but you are a son or a daughter of God And, and we talked a little bit last week about how sometimes we can feel lonely um guys loneliness is just the enemy That's that's not a work of God. When you feel lonely in a church, when you feel lonely in a crowd, when you feel lonely in a marriage, when you feel lonely in a relationship, that's not the work of God. That's the work of the enemy. And God wants to heal that. He doesn't want you to feel that way. He and and, and even in Even our relationship with him, sometimes we think, oh, man, I feel lonely. And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. I've adopted you. You have an inheritance. I'm not going to leave you nothing. In fact, I'm going to leave you everything. And that's our posture. And it's easy for me to get up here on a Sunday morning and say, hey, you get everything. Get excited about it. It's another thing for you to believe it and walk it out. Because when you walk out of this door, there's life. What we have to say with our own hearts is, I believe this. And, and he goes on in the rest of that verse. He's saying, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will. And what he's saying there is, and we talked about this last week, too. I'm going to keep saying that, am I? And we talked about this last week. And we talked about this last week is it tells us that before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for you. Before God said, let there be light, he said, hey, I have something for you to do. I have a purpose and plan for your life that I've laid out. And and it. when you talk, start talking about predestination, people get really freaked out. They're like, wait, predestined? You mean God has this whole thing planned out before I do anything? And people are like, well, that means I don't get any choice? Listen. Oh, my goodness. it. The, theologians love to debate this one. And we won't do it here this morning. But can, can I say this? Like. If you go to one extreme of predestination, like, well, God has everything planned out, that means, well, if God has everything planned out, it doesn't matter what I do. Right. And and I mean, if someone's going to give their life to Christ, he already knows it. So I don't need to tell anybody because they're predestined. I'm going to say that's error. That's error. That's that's not what the Word of God says. Then you have the other extreme you're like, well, God has no say in my life. I have complete control. Good luck with that. Because God will have His way. Here's the reality. Before God said, let there be light, He knew you. He had a plan for you. His desire is to give you good things. Oh, he mean his desire is for me to have an easy life. Well, I've, his desire is for you to have a life surrendered to him. And sometimes when we say yes to him, that actually makes life harder. Pastor, you're not doing a good job selling Jesus this morning. I'm not. Jesus said consider the cost to following him. It might get harder. But the thing is, is he knows you and he has a plan that he wants you to walk in according to the purpose of his will. I'm going to skip down now to verse 15, because the rest of this is stuff that we've we've. We've gone over this inheritance. Us being sons and daughters in Christ. So let's let's skip down to verse 15. Or else I'll never get to the book of Ephesians. It says, for this reason. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And I I just want to stop because, wait a minute. He was with them five years earlier. And now he's saying, because I've heard of your faith. Well, it sounds to me like more people have now surrendered their life to Christ in Ephesus. There's there's people that, that he hasn't met yet. That now know Jesus at the Church of Ephesus. And word's gotten back to him about their faith. Wouldn't you be wouldn't it be so cool if if people in the region heard about the faith of the believers in Carroll County? They're like, oh, I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your faith. And what does he do? Because he's heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints there's the second part and your love towards all the saints i i am um, oh gosh okay so i don't particularly like getting in facebook arguments because i don't think they're quite beneficial but when people start picking on the people of god i can't help can't help myself because these are my brothers and sisters how can I respond in a way of love to say, okay, look, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right that church people aren't the best sometimes. Maybe you're right, but, but I love these people. Look around this room. These are the saints. This is what Paul had heard of. He'd heard about their faith and their love for the saints. In fact, this is what we're told in Scripture. Jesus said, that this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by your love for each other. And yeah, we're supposed to love the sinners and the lost too, but but it's our love for each other. How much do I love you that, and it's not just a cheesy, be blessed when I see you on Sunday kind of love. It's a, hey, it's, It's 2 a.m. My life is falling apart. I need help kind of love. It's surrounding each other in the bad times and rejoicing with each other in the good times kind of love. So two things. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, he says this i do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers and then what we have right here is this really cool next little section where he's going to tell us his prayer for the church of ephesus because he's heard of their faith in jesus and because of their love for each other he's going to reveal his prayer for them and and this is get your pins out and let's get ready because You've heard us maybe pray some of this stuff over the years. Um, first of all, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Can, can, how many have ever need wisdom before? My wife thinks I need it every now and then. But I got quite a lot. James tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom ask for it and God will give it to you he's not going to hold it back God I'm kind of dumb in this area he's like okay I'll give you wisdom I think part of that is this appreciation for the saints because what you realize is is like okay God I'm kind of dumb in this area and he can download stuff straight into you but he can also say hey go talk to talk to john go talk to will they know about this i'm like oh yeah and if we're walking with other believers closely then we'll get that wisdom imparted into us as we're walking through life instead of waiting like and I, guys i some of you who grew up in more of a charismatic background you think you have to wait for somebody to magically reveal it to you instead of saying hey i need help in this area but it's not God unless they magically, like, I can't say anything. And they, and, and I get, it. it's exciting when you're going through something and someone out of the blue comes up and says, hey, I have this word for you. They're like, oh, how did they know? That's exciting. And God can do that. You know what else God can do? He can say, Drew, you're struggling in this. Go ask someone for help. And they can give you a word too. Anyway, both are good. I get one seems a little more exciting, but both are good. Um, Go to uh, 1 Corinthians. Oh, man, 1 Corinthians. Talk about a charismatic church. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Talk about wisdom and revelation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what it says. We're going to go to verse verse 6 Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away so it's not the kind of wisdom you're thinking about right that that everyone kind of knows it's something else we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of god which god decreed before the ages for our glory Guys, he's not just being cocky here. God has decreed a wisdom before the ages for our glory. And guess what? You're like, oh, wow, for my glory. So I can be something special. Now, what's the purpose of all things? To bring him glory. So if you get glory, it's really God glorified himself. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not crucify the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even imagine what God has for you. He has something prepared for you, and you think it's just coming to church on Sunday. And God's like, oh man, you can't even imagine what God has for you. Your eyes, like like God wants to impart such wisdom for you to take you on such a journey. We're we get we're all so guilty of wanting to get to the end. You, you've been on a trip with young kids, right? The question, are we there yet? I'm a cross-country coach. I have 50 kids on the school bus. We've been on the bus since 5 a.m., The question comes up, are we there yet? You know, mm, anyway, um, does it look like we're there? What do you see? Cow pastures? Well, then we're not there yet, but we run in cow pastures. Good point. The journey is part of the process. The journey is part of it. And so you're waiting for that thing to happen someday. And God has something that he's imagined for you today. Like like when we get done with this sermon, I say amen and you go and eat lunch. God has something for them. He has something for this evening. He has something for tomorrow morning. He's prepared something for you. And if you just lean into that, you can't even imagine what it is. Verse 10 says these things God revealed to us through the spirit. Oh, this gets really good. For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for the, that, uh, the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us. Okay. The lack of amens says to me that you all missed that completely. All right. So let me let me put it let me put it. Okay, Gabe. Gabe has a spirit. Right? And no one knows Gabe's thoughts except Gabe's spirit. Like we all look at him right now and I'm trying to th- decide what he's thinking. But really the only one that knows what he's thinking is his own spirit. Right? Some of you are thinking, move along. I can see that. No one knows what God's thinking except his spirit. That's what this passage just says. No one knows what God's thinking except his own spirit. Except. He has freely given us his spirit. What? Which means. I can know the thoughts of God. That is no small thing. And so I need wisdom, but I can know the thoughts of God because I have his spirit inside of me. God, what are you thinking? And that's what what, um, Ken was saying earlier about having the word of the Lord that God can just speak to you. Now, his, that word that he speaks to you will line up with this, always. And if it doesn't, you're wrong. Okay? But God can speak a word to you. Okay, let's go back over to uh, Ephesians again. So he's praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's praying that, that the thoughts of God would be revealed towards the church in Ephesus. And he's going to pray three things that that as they get the spirit of wisdom and revelation, they'll have the eyes of their hearts enlightened, which is just another way of saying is that you that you will just wake up, that your eyes will just wake up. I always am trying to wake up my daughters in the morning and they always do this number. I am awake. If I get this, guess what's happening 10 minutes later? Still this right? I, I I don't leave them alone until I see those eyes, boop, and not just this, right? No, no, no. Let me see those eyes. Let me make sure you're awake, awake. Um, doesn't work with Aaron. She talks in her sleep. I won't tell her stories, but she'll look right at me and be wide awa- and dead asleep. Anyway, another story for another time. You can ask her about it. The eyes of a heart enlightened. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. And and I've written this down here because we also, the, the way we use the word blessed wrong, we use the word hope wrong. Because we say hope and we mean wish. Like Jesus is some kind of genie. Man, I hope today's a good day. Jesus, let it be a good day. Magic fairy god now this word hope the biblical use of the word hope and and i was tearing into this and and um i think aaron was laughing at me as i was in the kitchen kind of going on and on about it but it says to know the hope to which he has called you that word hope means this you should write this down joyful and confident expectation joyful and confident expectation that's a whole lot different than I wish God would do something for me. I hope God does something for me. That When I say that, that's not joyful, confident. That's almost sad. Like, man, I hope. No. no I have joyful and confident expectation in what? In to what he has called me. And what he has, that word called means invited. An invitation. God is inviting you to something. He has an invitation for you this morning into something that is beyond your wildest imagination. And it can give you this joyful, confident expectation in what he has. And what's that? So that's the first one. Number one is the hope to which he has called you. That's his first prayer. That you would truly understand the hope which he has called you to. That you would truly understand what God has invited you into. And some of you guys this morning, you do. Some of you guys this morning wish you did. Some of you guys this morning wish you were in bed. He's inviting you. He's calling you. That's his first prayer. His second prayer is this, that you would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I've read this wrong wrong for years, because I thought he was talking about the inheritance that we were just talking about last week, about being sons and daughters, right? Right? Like, I'm a son and I'm a daughter, so what God has is mine because I inherit it, right? That's not this. This is something completely different. This isn't my inheritance right here. Let's read it again. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? So wait, Paul's praying that the church at Ephesus would understand what God's inheritance is. He's praying that the church in Ephesus would understand what God's inheritance is. What is God's inheritance? Look around the room. His saints. It's in his saints. And if we as we go deeper into Ephesians, what you're going to see is is he's going to talk to them about being one body. He's going to talk to them about order and structure and and who each other like. I need to know who you are. I've got to know who I am so I know who you are. And this is, this is so so vitally important. And, and this is like, if you go back up to verse 15, it ties in directly to that because he was talking that he's heard of their love towards each other, love towards the saints. Ladies and gentlemen, each other is important. Look at someone next to you and say, you is important. Look at them again and say, you're God's inheritance. And and this is what's, man, it it tears me up because, I mean, like, after you've been a pastor for a while, you you realize that some people truly, they're like, "I, I truly am part of God's fellowship. And some people are just church attenders. You know the difference? And and, and I try not to be judgy on like, like Pastor Drew, who do you think is who? Well, let me go around the room here. Um, now, some of them truly, you're here for the fellowship with the saints. And some people are just church attenders. But over the years, I've also met church hoppers, church shoppers, church avoiders. There, there's we, we run the gamut. And, and the reason for every single one of those is because we don't truly understand who the saints are. We don't truly understand who each other are in Christ. That you're part of God's inheritance, I'm part of God's inheritance, and that we need each other. Right? If we were to tear back over to Corinthians again, we would see how that we're all different parts of one body. And one part of the body can't say to the other one, I don't need you. I'm not a hand, so I don't need the foot. It, it's it's important. So the, the, the word church in the Bible in the New Testament appears 114 times. And the debate is, okay, is it big C church, meaning the universal church, or little c church, meaning local church? And the important thing to remember is that word Church in the Greek is Ecclesia, which literally means gathering. Kind of like what we're doing here this morning. We're gathering. We could gather closer if you wanted. We're gathering. And of those 114 times, 90 of the 114 times in the New Testament, it's used in a local sense, not in a universal sense. So that means only, what, 24 times? New Testament, when he says church, he's talking about the universal church. But the other 90 times, he's talking about the local assembly. Even the book to the Ephesians was written to the local church in Ephesus. And what he's saying here to the local church in Ephesus is that he wants, one, he's heard about their love for each other, and two, that there's an inheritance in the saints. I have to realize that there's riches that God has put in you that I need. There's things that God has put in you that I need. And there's things that God has put in me that you need. And I'm in his inheritance, and you're his inheritance, and together we're his inheritance. And the third thing, so one is that you would know the hope to which he has called you. Two is that you would understand the riches which are in the inheritance of the saints. And three, everyone say three, what the what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now, I know you might not feel it this morning on this rainy Sunday morning, but I'm telling you, there is power towards us who believe. There's power. And, and you've got to understand, this is, this is a time where we're where people believed all these other little gods had power. And what he's saying here is, no, 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 no. All these little fake gods, you know, the ones that are going out of business these days in Ephesus, that's not where true power is. There's true power in us who believe. And, and I think some days when I'm struggling on a day, when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, today. It's a day where I forget the power that I have. How many have ever forgotten the power that they have? Um, being in my classroom, we sometimes deal with different tools and whatever. I had a kid, and um, he, he had this drill. And he wanted to do some work. He comes up to me, and he's like, Mr. K, I'm trying to take apart that thing you told me to take apart. This drill does not work. I've hit the on button at least six times, okay, um, and I'm just looking at it, I was like, I, I see a problem, he goes, yeah, I know, it's, I can't find the power cord for it, that's got to be what it is, I was like, uh, that one doesn't take a power cord, buddy, and I walked over right next to where he's standing and I pull out the battery and I snap it in there and he pulls that trigger. And how many you guys know, every single guy here has done it. You snap that battery in, what do you do every time before you get to where you need to be? Every time, we all do it. Snap. I try not to. Ah, didn't it get, you know, It's just a the thing. There's power. There's power. And some of us, we don't realize the power that we have. We don't plug it in. We say, well, I'll I'll do all the good things. Listen, uh, you were not made just to be a good person. Forget that. We don't want to be a church of good people. We want to be a church of powerful people. Not powerful in and of ourselves, but powerful and made mighty through God. I would rather have a church full of people who are messed up and have problems that know who they are in Christ and are powerful in Christ than a church of good people who never make any impact. Do you understand where my heart is this morning? God, he I mean that's the whole reason for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Was to give us boldness and power. That's what Jesus says: and you will have power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it's not just so we can do this. It's so that we can be witnesses, so we can declare the word of the Lord. This week, I, I've had the opportunity to, to share Christ. I shared Christ to several people this week. And one of them, I thought, went really well until I saw their Facebook, social media posts two days later. And I was like, well, I guess that didn't take. That was a little discouraging. And one person, after I got done talking to them a while, they were like, I just don't think that's for me. That was hard, right? It's hard when people are like, yeah, it's just not for me. But you know, what's my job to make them believe. It's my job to bring them. Here's the power of Jesus Christ. Here's the love of God. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. Anyway. And having boldness to proclaim that. And what it says is, to, according to the working of his great might and I just want to just like his great might just remind you again and we'll see this when we get further into Ephesians listen it's nothing we do your power has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with his great might that drill it doesn't make its own power it has to get it from somewhere else right same thing same thing guys I'm messed up I'm jacked up I have struggles the Lord is He's He's called me to die to myself so that I can grow in Him. I decrease, He increases, and as I do, His power is made alive in me. And anything good in me comes from Him. According to the working of the work of His great might, that He worked, and this is where it gets just so good, that He worked in Christ. When He raised Him from the dead and seated Him. At his right hand in heavenly places. Far above. All rule. And authority. And power. And dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age. But the one to come. All power is demonstrated. Through Jesus Christ. And his resurrection. It it, it really comes down to this. If if. If you say, well, I just don't believe in the resurrection of Christ. And and it, it saddened my heart this last week as I was listening to some guys I admired. And they'd grown up in the church and they'd grown up in the things of God. And these are kind of famous guys that, um, that they're YouTube guys anyway. They're my thing. And as I listed them this week, they talked about their journey from being church guys to no longer believing in the resurrection of Christ. And it pained my soul. Because the moment they got to that spot, there went all the power from it. And they had to back away. Now my prayer is their journey isn't over. My prayer is that the truth and the seed that's been planted in their heart will rise up again. But this is the crux of the issue right here, is, is if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, That means there's power. And if that happened, that means this word is true. And if this word is true, then we've all got a problem. That we have to bend our lives to the weight of this word. But it's not just a problem. It's an excitement because what it says, and and like I said, we sang it. And now it's here in this verse. It's the name that's above every name. And it's Jesus. There is a name that's above every name, and it's Jesus. There's a name that's above. How many just love politics? One. (laughs) It can be interesting to talk about, but how many know politics can become so divisive? Politics, people get really, really fast. Um. I did a a wedding this last week, and someone said, so what are you going to talk about? And I thought it was a strange question. Like, it's a wedding. I'm going to do a wedding ceremony. Um, And they said, what are you going to talk about? And I said, "Um, I think I'm going to talk about my opinion of Bernie Sanders for a while. Um, (laughs) And I enjoyed it so much, I think I made that joke about three more times that night. Um, But we're in this political climate where everyone's, I mean... Everyone's so loud about their guy, right? They're so loud about their guy or gal. And yet I know the name that's above every name. And I'm gonna tell you this if you're putting your hope in the American political system, get ready to be disappointed if you haven't already been. (laughs) Um because it'll never save you. Guess what? There's Christians outside the United States of America and they're this concerned about our politics. They're this concerned about our Jesus and the power in his name and we need to come to a place where we identify more as bought believers by the blood of Jesus than we do by our political affiliation. Because I even this morning there's some people here who disagree with each other. Praise God. There's people this morning here that have different political opinions. That's good. Unless you disagree with me then you're wrong. But but do you imagine, can you see the unity in that? The unity in saying, you and I don't see the eye to eye on some things, but we see eye to eye on Jesus Christ. And the power of his resurrection. And his name is greater than any name in Washington, D.C. It's greater than any name in this church. And that's, that's the hill we die on. It's proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and hey guys you can come up and do my worship team guys cuz today i'll say this today it's today it's you know Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden and all the rest but if the lord tarries 50 years from now it'll be a whole new list of names and a whole new list of debates And that's why it says, name that's above every name, not only in this age, but the age to come. But I'll say this, he's the name above your greatest problem. Sometimes the greatest reality in our lives is the problem right in front of us. Whether it be a financial thing or, or a sickness, like, like a sickness, and Eddie was kind of alluding to it, a sickness can like scare you like that. And take your heart and mind to places like that that you don't want to go. And fear comes like that. And so then the name of, of cancer, the name of disease, or whatever it is, it overwhelms you. And I'm telling you, Jesus is the name that's above that name. And he has authority over that thing. And in verse 23 or 22 and 23, it says this. It says he put all things, say all things, say all things, he put all things under his feet, that's Jesus' feet, and gave him as head over all things, say all things, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Look right here. We are his body. We are his body. He is the head. My body is obedient to the things that go on in my head most of the time. Jesus is the head and he he has authority over all things. And so now I've come to this place where okay does Drew surrender to the name of Jesus? Does Kalen surrender to the name of Jesus? Every single here, you, you have to ask yourself if all things are under his authority, am I living under his authority? Or am I like that scripture where I'm like, well, I don't need to be a part of the body. I cut myself off and remove myself. And I'm going to say this because it's important. It's important because right here he's talking about he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And he's not just randomly saying to the church, but as we've seen, this is the third time in this where he's talking about the gathering of the saints. And to me, for me to realize my importance and as a part of Of not just the universal body of Christ, but to this body of Christ. Like, if this is true, he's predestined you. You're no accident. He has a place and a function for you in the body of Christ. And that's a little bit what our Wednesday night growth track stuff's about. But you don't have to come to that to figure out your place in the body of Christ. And it's, it's an invitation, it's a call, it's him saying, okay, I have something for you to walk in, I have a hope, I have a joyful and confident expectation in what he has for me to do. And the question is, are you walking in that, are you just walking what your thing, what you want to do? Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross just so I could keep living the way I've always lived. He died on the cross to take away all of my sin and all of my shame and to become my righteousness when I was dead in my sin, when I was dead in my trespasses. And then he rises from the dead to demonstrate his ultimate authority. Like I've, I've met some guys in my life I'm a little bit scared of. And maybe you have to, when you walk in the room, you realize that's a person with authority. And you're a little bit more careful about the things you say and the things you do in the room with that person. Because you realize they carry an authority. And I don't think some of us truly understand the authority that Jesus Christ has. And it should excite us, and it should scare us. And that's biblical. His authority should excite us, because I'm his son or daughter, and it should scare me just a little. He has all authority. He demonstrated that by his rising from the dead. And now I have a decision to make. Am I going to answer the call, the invitation? Or am I going to continue to walk for me? And I know for me, when I've tried to do me the way I think me should be done, there's been a lot of loneliness, brokenness. And I can tell you the, the best thing, the best thing that's ever happened to me when I finally decided to stop walling myself off from the people of God and opening myself up and that you, you've heard two or three people say it this morning to be open honest and vulnerable that's just language we use but but to say okay look I it's time for me to be real. And let me tell the other saints what's going on in my life so they can say, oh, that's what's going on in your life? Okay. Like, we'll walk with you through that. And here's what the Word says about that. And as we walk through that, it's life. It's life-giving because I'm surrendering my life to the authority of God that He gives me in this book. The authority of God that He gives me through, through you guys as you speak life into me. And encourage me and build me up and call me out of my crap. And so here's Paul writing this letter to this church which is moving in the things of God. And in this prayer, The thing that he ends on is this. Is that they would know the authority of the name that's above every other name. Will you stand with me? So the question is, do you understand the authority of the name of Jesus, the name that's above every other name? Just bow your heads for a moment. I just want you to take time to talk to God and come to a place of surrender in your heart. Maybe it's your entire life you need to surrender to Christ. Maybe it's one area of your life where you say, Jesus, I've given you authority over this part of my life and this part of my life, but this part you have no authority in. Your name means nothing to me in this area. And you wouldn't have said it like that in the past, but but that's what it is. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.